an inmate at the Virginia Department of Corrections, Red Onion State Prison. To accept this call, press zero. This is Randall Bob. I'm currently serving 1,214 years in Red Onion State Prison for capital murder in the state of Virginia and the USA. This is my podcast, Red Onion Randy. I hope you enjoy listening to me today. Um, before I get started in discussing my legal case, I want to give you a heads up. I've been released from level six down to level five population, and I'm currently in population right now with a couple of guys out. It's really early in the morning, and I'm using a pay file, a payphone style phone that's, you know, bolted to the walls and everything, and there's six phones. Um, so that's the reason why it's going to be a lot more background noise and stuff in the episodes. I used to get the phone in the cell on a digital cordless phone that I would use, and that would make it a lot quieter because I was getting the phone at nighttime. But now, it's like I said, it's really early in the morning, and there's a bunch of guys out with me because it's the only opportunity I have to use the phone because we don't get the digital phones over here. Sorry about the noise. Unfortunately, that's just something we got to deal with together. But at least we'll do it together. Now, today I'm going to discuss my legal case because I have some potentially exciting news. Um, and there's been, you know, quite a bit of curiosity about my case, the potential for my release. Do I even have an opportunity to get released? Will I spend the rest of my life in prison? What's all that about? So on and so forth. So today, that's what I'm going to discuss. All right. To start off with, as far as I know, I am the only person in the United States of America in the last 40 or 50 years, maybe longer than that, that has just been convicted of capital murder, that has faced the death penalty or life in prison without the possibility of parole, that has never had an appeal. You see, my lawyer, he completely screwed. You know, as a matter of fact, I was at the complex in Charlottesville, which is the name for the city jail there. I was asleep, and the CEO came, grabbed the bars, and started rattling them. And he woke me up, and I'm like, yo, man, what are you doing? And he reached underneath of his uniform shirt, and he pulled out a newspaper that he smuggled into the prison from his own home just to show me. And he opened it up, and on the headline, top of the fold, killer's appeal denied. So I took it, and I read it. I'm like, Damn, wait a minute. What? This is messed up. And so I told him, yo, dude, let me out so I can call my lawyer. And he was like, gotcha. And so he let me out in the pod, and I walked over to the payphone on the wall, and I called my lawyer. So the lawyer answered. I'm like, hey, hold up, dude. I just read the newspaper. My appeal was denied. He said, oh, don't worry about it, Mr. Va. I have everything completely under control. Now, see, what happened was this. He had a number of days that he had to file my appeal. And he said he wrote down the wrong day. And that's the re that's the whole reason I was denied an appeal, because my lawyer said he wrote down the wrong day. And I was time-barred. I was completely and utterly screwed, and I've never had an appeal.
man, there's quite a few things in my case that I could fight against. Now, for the exciting news, I'm in contact with one of the best post-conviction lawyers in the state of Virginia by the name of John Sheldon from Sheldon and Flood PLC out of Fairfax, Virginia. From the research that a friend of mine did, and God bless him for doing it too, John Sheldon is not only one of the best post-conviction lawyers in the state of Virginia, he's basically written a book on it, and he actually has written several books on post-conviction law. Now, this is the angle I'm going to attack. You know, I have a couple of arrows in my quiver, but this, I feel, is my best arrow. Capital murder in the United States of America is written under the Fifth Amendment in the U.S. Constitution, all right? And it basically says this, anyone who is charged with a capital crime, capital murder, their case has to be taken in front of a grand jury. And then the grand jury has to determine if is there enough evidence to remand it back down to the circuit court for a trial. So I've always thought that they had done that, that, you know, that that was, that it was legit, that my conviction was actually legitimate. If you've listened to this podcast from, you know, the beginning, you know I'm guilty. I, I don't hide that, and I'm not going to sit here and try to lie about it and say, no, I'm innocent. But no, that's not it at all. In 2014, I was over in D6, the same pod that I was doing the documentary. As a matter of fact, I found this information out while we were still in the middle of recording the documentary. I was on the vent talking to this dude named Jack that I was pretty cool with. And he was sitting there telling me, hey, look, dude, you got to get a copy of the prison legal news. There's some information in there, man, that may be, that may be helpful towards your case. I'm like, All right, well, what is it, man? Tell me. So he told me. So I'm like, okay. Okay, all right, hold up. So I go over, I grab my weight bag that's got all my legal mail in it, and I sit down, and me and him, we start talking and building on the wall while I'm going through all of my paperwork until I find my true bills. And I look at the true bills. Now, this is the crazy thing about this. Now, the information that he gave me that was inside the prison legal news is this. Whenever a grand jury hands down a true bill, the grand jury foreman has to sign it, and then the Commonwealth or prosecuting attorney has to sign their name and their state bar number. Well, I was looking at it. Dan Bowden, who is the one who prosecuted me, did not sign his name, and he did not put his Virginia state bar number on there, which makes that an effective, or, or excuse me, a defective indictment. Now, I was looking at it, and I got to looking at the name of the grand jury foreman, and it, it, it took me a moment, but then it popped, and my jaw dropped, and my eyes bulged out my head, you know, I had a little light bulb moment go up over the top of my head, you know, straight cartoon. The grand jury foreman's name happened to be William Morris. Now, this is the thing about William Morris that y'all don't know. William Morris was the sheriff of Green County. He was the man who investigated me 
arrested me and coerced a conf confession out of me. Now, I'm not pushing a coerced confession. I could, but I don't think there's any way I can prove it. And they're simply just not going to take my word for it in the court system. So I'm not even really stressing that. 1998, there is no way in that small, rinky-dink town of Rockersville, Virginia, that there were two people named of William Morris. So what happened was this. Dan Bounton, the Commonwealth attorney at that time, he knew the confession. He, he, he'd read the transcript of the confession. He had actually listened to the confession, watched the confession. He had it. He's like, dude, this is a slam dunk. We got this bastard. Seven years, they'll put him in the electric chair for his ass, and, well, ain't nobody going to care no more. So he skipped the whole grand jury, and he just had the sheriff sign his name on the true bill. I was never taken in front of a grand jury. Thus, they denied my Fifth Amendment right. They broke my Fifth Amendment right. I was illegally tried and convicted. So that's what I want to talk to John Sheldon about. There's, there's other things in my case, but I'm really not going to go into detail on that because unless you have a really good grasp of the law, you know, if Virginia law with that, it's really not going to make much sense. Um, and he, I mean, even some of it is, is a bit of a struggle for me. You know, I ain't the smartest guy in the world. But that's what I'm hoping for. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to remain cautiously optimistic slash excited because of the research I've done and some of the cases that I have looked at, I have, in my opinion, a slam dunk win. I honestly believe that. But simply because I believe that doesn't make it true. I mean, there's been a lot of things in life that I've believed in. Years later, I come to find out that I was completely wrong in my belief. So, I could definitely use your prayers um, without question. I need them. Yeah, I'm really not sure what else to say. I'm just, you know, I've been in prison 31 years, and I'm only 42 years old. I've only spent 11 years on the street in my entire life, 31 years behind bars in some form, shape, or fashion. Not all of it has been a supermax prison, though the vast majority of it has, 20-some years has. I've, I've never lived. The only thing I have ever managed to do is exist. I'm tired of existing. I am so exhausted waking up in the morning to do the same thing day in and day out. I, I, I know for a fact if I get this shot, I know for a fact that if John Sheldon can come through for me or if I somehow manage to get a full pardon before Governor Ralph Northam leaves office in January of 22, I'd never come back to prison. 
I would I would do something with my life. I would make I would make a beautiful life out there. There's no question about that in my mind. Because I'm done with this. I just I am so over anger. I'm so over trying to impress people, lying to myself to make myself feel better. I'm so over violence. I just I can't even stand it no more. I don't even as much as I love martial art movies and as much as I have the desire to watch martial art movies, honestly, just because of the violence element to it, I probably won't even watch that if I go home and I got access to whatever I want to watch. So I am praying to God. I mean, I am getting on my knees daily and I'm asking God for favor, for his blessing, for his help. And I'm asking for y'all's. I'm not asking for money, not yet. I may have to, uh, depending on how much John Sheldon is going to charge me to represent me, if he's willing to represent me, because I had to pay $250 for a 30-minute consultation, and I'm in the process of setting that up. I've turned the paperwork in last week, and as a matter of fact, tomorrow the business office will cut the money and send it out, and then it'll probably be two weeks before they can get the phone call set up for me. I'm praying that he's got good news, but he might not. I don't know. Like I said, just because I believe I have a winner doesn't mean he will. And sad fact of the matter is I'm going to have to take his word for it simply because he knows what he's forgotten more about the law than I will ever learn. I just want that shot, people. I just, I, I, I want that shot because I know what I can do with it. You know, yeah, you got a lot of people that come to prison and they get out and they, you know, their recidivism rate is so incredibly high. And these private prison corporations, they specifically run prisons now just for that very, very reason. But I'm one of the dudes I see through myself. I know myself. I've taken the time and the effort to learn who and exactly what I am. I know what my strengths are. I know what my weaknesses are. I know what to stay away from. And I have one thing now that I've never had in my life. I have people from around the world who truly and genuinely believe in me. Who encourage me, who talk to me, who pray for me, who spend time with me on the phone or through emails. That support will keep me out of prison if I get my shot. But this has been Red Onion Randy. I hope you've enjoyed listening to me. Um, I hope I answered a couple of your questions about why I'm so optimistic of getting out of prison and, you know, some of what's going on in my case and everything. But uh, for those of you who listen to me on Apple Podcast, I would truly appreciate it if you would review me and rate me, preferably five stars, but I'll take whatever you're willing to give me. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you for using GTL.